Okay, guys, so we are here on the Fear Being Average podcast with your host, Brandon Rankin. Of course, I got Dr. M today. She is a financial consultant, yes, um, and a professor of finance, and she's the author of the Kidonomics series, uh, which is inspired by her children. So we, she's got a great um, great story for us, and again, I think, obviously, this podcast is all about wellness and i think financial wellness is a massive component to living a fulfilled you know stable life both mentally um and i just think physically right just kind of having that reduced stress and that uh, understanding of one's finances and i think we're going to have a a healthy discussion of how to how to improve our finances and at least get a little bit more literacy behind the behind the subject matter okay great i'm looking forward to your questions absolutely and thank you for having me Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, just for people that don't know, we, we, her and I connected probably a few years ago. I went to UTM and you were a professor there. We didn't know each other on campus, but, um, after the fact, I, I reached out to you and you were benevolent enough to, to meet up with me and we, we had a little bit of a chat. So this is, uh, two years in the making. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's nice to connect again. Absolutely. So yeah. let's jump into it. Uh, cause again, I think for finances, it's it's a tricky subject for a lot of people, and I think a lot of individuals hide from their financial situation, and it's because it's, it's right. easier. They don't really know how to approach a healthy financial, um, I guess, understanding to life. So, what were what are some basics that you would suggest that people dive into if you were to give like the lowest hanging fruit? Of, yeah. of finances, the things that have the most benefit and are the simplest right. and easiest for people to, to do to build their wealth and just have a little bit more of that literacy of their finances. Okay, so if, I know that you're in the health and wellness space, and so there's a lot of parallel and similarity between financial literacy and being healthy, quite frankly. Um, so you ask for one of the things that people can do on, like, just at the outset. Just as when you're trying to get healthy and fit, you have to take an assessment of who you are, where you are, what your situation is. And so for me, I always tell people, the first thing you got to do, there are three things you got to do, actually, in the beginning. First, you have to understand your relationship with money. So get clear in, in understanding how it is you interact with money. Do you have this kind of scarcity mentality? Do you see money as a, you know... Do you have like this fear of making money, the subconscious fear of making money? It might sound like a weird thing, but you know, sometimes people get overwhelmed with success. Um, so understand what's your relationship with money. The other thing is really get play on what is the purpose of money in your life. Why do you want to make money in the first place? Is it for, um, you know, physical survival? Is it for show or you're trying to prove something to somebody else or to yourself to so really get clear on what the purpose of money is and then of course the final thing is to get those management skills knowing how to manage money and i feel like usually when we talk about financial wellness we tend to focus mostly on management skills and we skip the first two understanding your relationship with money and the purpose of money serves and those are the foundational skills or foundational understanding that you must have for you to use the tools and techniques in the right way, right? Because if you're not clear about 
uh, what it is you're doing or why you're doing it or what's your motivation behind it, um, you'll just be going from, to make an analogy, you'll be going from diet to diet to diet to diet. So just as if you're trying to lose weight and get fit, you must understand your own body. You have to understand, you know, what foods are good for you, what foods are bad for you. Um, and so it's the same thing with money. You have to understand how you see money and understand what it's going to do for you or why you want to have so much money. And then sometimes when people just take a moment to examine those two things, they realize, oh, oh wait a minute, you know, uh, they kind of uncover certain things about themselves. And so low-hanging fruit, I'd say get acquainted with your relationship with money and really understand why it is you're going after and And obviously people say, of course, I need money to live and survive. And yeah, we do. But a lot of us make money to live and survive, but we still go after more. And that's why I'm asking you to just figure out why you're going after more. And, you know, you're talking about wellness. If you're just constantly chasing, chasing without understanding why that can bring on a lot of stress and anxiety right especially if you're trying to compare yourself to somebody else or you're, you're trying to achieve a goal that somebody else's goal not necessarily your goal that could be a very stressful thing or a very stressful situation to be in so the first thing again know what your relationship is know what your purpose is and then start getting those management that makes total sense. And I think it goes back to probably just being more self-aware, like you said, like kind of understand why you're doing everything. Why, from the, the, the students you teach, the people you've, um, you consult, what's the biggest reason that people just constantly want more money? Like when you, when you I'm sure you maybe sit down and ask this, your students about this question, like why do you guys want money? And what do they, what's their rationalization? Well, if you think about it, uh, we're always trained to be like that. Uh, the way that our society is structured, we are all working from a operating system of scarcity. And, you know, this pandemic is kind of bringing the good and bad and the ugly out to everybody, right? We all have uh, this concept that there is not enough and that we have to maximize our benefits. And so money represents, you know, Stability, it represents success for most people. And I think, you know, unfortunately, we have somehow in society intertwined net worth and self-worth, right? So if you think that your net worth is a reflection of the value of yourself as a person, of your self-worth, obviously you want to go after money, okay? So I think going after money and this desire for money is a false premise of the fact that one, we have this kind of scarcity mentality that's underlying everything because we think things are limited, whether it be time, money, resources. And we have, through that process, we've commodified everything in society to the extent that even how we see ourselves is a reflection of how much we have. And so I think that is usually the driving force why people are always seeking to have more and more and more. And you know, if you take a moment to go back and really do some kind of self-analysis, like you said, self-awareness, and understand your relationship with money, where did I come from? Like, why why do you want to make it? Like, go back and figure out, is that really your purpose or your desire, or is it something that you've learned? Or you see that being reflected in society and you feel like this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And so all those kind of concepts are inter- intertwined, yeah? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel that there are like certain like health practices to avoid getting into the mindset of, cause obviously we, I guess in some sense we're getting programmed just from what we see and that we're so connected and we like, it's no longer are we comparing ourselves with our next door neighbor necessarily or family members. It's comparing ourselves to everyone in the world that has what, what we don't have. Like it's, it's just multiplied to such a degree now that you no longer can be the best in this or that because you're going to see some guy in Spain who has more than you or is faster than you and more fit than you and has a, a prettier spouse than you. And you're going to be like, that's your, like, that's what we're comparing ourselves to. It's, it's so big now. So are, do you recommend any health practices to kind of get people to think a little bit more self-aware to think in a more, not necessarily to lower our standards, but to, right just concentrate our standards down a little bit more, like calibrate our standards, right? Right. So the thing is, you want to have anchoring, right? You want to anchor yourself in your own personal values and your, because we're all conditioned by our society, yeah? Based on our culture, our agenda, our socioeconomic uh, uh, background, we have certain views and perspectives in life. And, and all are valid and all are, you know, not none is the or not one is better than the other right and so this anchoring practice that you do is like figure out what it is you want why you want it and you will be pulled off you know you see somebody else so you get anchored for example say you know i want x number of dollars i want this job i'm happy but then you see your friend who kind of graduated around the same time as you is doing a little more than you know you are and then you feel insecure but then you have to come back and say um, what is it do I want? What's my goal? What's my purpose, right? And so this is anchoring. And so the health practice that can help with anchoring obviously would be stuff like doing meditation and, and yoga. So, you know, you go to the gym, there are a lot of yoga classes there and being able to kind of get chill and, you know, just be with your body, get out, out of your head. And in a, doing a yoga class, you're actually practicing that. You're actually practicing if you can do it well, not comparing yourself to your neighbor next door. So it's not a competition, right? Your yoga practice, it could be, um, you know, a, a, a metaphor for also your financial life, your whole life. When you're on that mat and you're doing your practices, or even if you're in the gym lifting weights, you're doing it for you, your body, what you're capable of doing. You're not doing it because... The other guy is doing it might try, but maybe your body can handle it like that. Or maybe you can do it better than the other person, right? And so the health practice for me would be, a recommendation would be, when you're doing any exercise, I, I went straight to yoga because it, it really requires you to kind of focus really on yourself. And I'm telling you the same thing in your financial life. Focus on yourself. What works for you, right? And so the parallel to that is that when you work out and you're exercising, you do the same thing. You work out on what your goal. You know, that person may have a six pack. You maybe you're happy with a four pack. Who knows, right? It's, it's, it's what works for you. And a four pack might make you know you're happy, you're content with that. So don't be envious or jealous when you see the six pack. Like okay, you know. Um, and so it's the same thing with with finance as well. Make sure what what you're doing is working for you in your life in your life circumstances. And, um, you know, it, it's 
not one size fits all. And you're in counseling, you know that, right? You give 10 people the same exercise and their body responds differently to it. So not the same advice, financial advice will work for the same people, right? Or, sorry, the same financial advice wouldn't work for 10 different people in the same way. Yeah? Yeah, makes makes total sense, right? Every Everybody's different. Everybody's got different reasons for doing stuff. And like you said, it's... It's understanding that that why, right? Of of why you're doing something, and and I think you you hit it hit the nail on the head. There is kind of understanding and defining what success is. I think a lot of people have a very antiquated understanding of success, meaning that success is my wealth, it's my riches, is what I have, it's my material goods, and we're obsessed with like you know consuming. And I'm I think it's turning now. We're obviously mental health is massively talked about. And it's something that we're very aware of now. So trying to like, I think we're more, our generations coming up are more valuing enjoyment and joy and I guess contentment and being out in nature and these little things that you can't really put a price tag on, which I think is, um, is healthy. So when you're saying, you know, lock into what you want, again, one of the biggest techniques I guess out there is visualization. In terms of you, you right. ha- you put it on a wall, right? You you constantly have like, okay, if I'm gonna wake up every single morning and work out and go to the gym and I'm gonna train like a madman, but my goal is to be you know a sponsored adventure athlete and, and do this as a profession, you know, I might put those things on the wall saying like, this is why I wake up every morning. This is why I do the things I don't necessarily want to do, but I have to do in order to become this person. Um, would you recommend the same thing for your finances? Is like, well, put it out there, like. Put it somewhere where you can see it because we all know visualization just tends to be a little bit more powerful than saying it and forgetting it. So do you, do you, I guess, embark in those kind of techniques where people are, can constantly see what they're striving for and, and go back to their why? Yes. That's not, a, that, that's not a bad idea. So personally, like I don't – for me, my visualization is like in my head because I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. But sometimes people want to do it. Um, I'm not necessarily a big proponent of writing or, you know, like budgeting and tracking everything necessarily. What I am, what I do encourage people um, to do, what I am a fan of is having buckets and, uh, you know, like categories. And you put different amounts in it. So, for example, one thing someone can do is... um, have buckets, have like a little diagram, and you should write it. That's the next thing. Writing out your goals and writing out your, um, even your financial goals and uh, what it is you want to accomplish, just writing that pen and paper. There's some kind of alchemy that happens. I don't understand how to, I don't, I, I don't know how to explain the brain science, but there's some neurological connection from the pen, the fact that you're writing it that goes into your brain. So it supposedly sticks better in your head. And so that's, that would be a good thing for people to do. So, for example, if you want to have a certain level of income or a certain level of savings at the end of uh, six months or a year, you want to write that down. And you want to uh, write down a path towards it, right? So it might entail budgeting. might entail getting an extra uh, part-time job. It might entail, you know, cutting back on expenses. It might entail changing your lifestyle a little bit. But you're not going to make, like, details. For me, I think people get, uh, when you get, into the, the nitty-gritty of it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. So a good way to do is, yeah, make a schematic and a handwritten schematic of, okay, where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be one year financially? 
And how am I going to get there? So give yourself like some little steps. And then when you do get there, um, you have a bucket of money. How is that money going to be allocated? So if you do like a math, as it were, not necessarily writing things down sentence by sentence, but kind of have a visual of, oh, I need, this is what I need to do. I need to cut back here. I need to earn more here. I need to do this here. So having like a, a, a visual handwritten schematic of how you would like your financial life to structure is always a good idea. So it keeps you kind of in check. And, you know, when you're going out and you want to splurge, you might, that visual might come back in your hands like, oh, you know what? I think I'm exceeding that bucket today or that category today. Just go back a little bit. So this could be a useful exercise for some. Yeah, that makes sense. And how, do you have a preferred way to how you allocate your buckets? Like, is it like... So, yeah. So I do like a 60, 40. I have a... I feel I have my own a little... I do it both for students, actually. I usually recommend like a 60, 40 split. And so that 60, 40 goes, the 60 is pretty much for your day-to-day living, right? So it depends on your lifestyle. So if you made, you know, whatever it is you're making, your salary or your income or whatever you have, 60% of it is usually goes towards, you know, things like food and clothes, entertainment, paying your mortgage or your communication bills, right? And that 40%, the first thing uh, you should do with the 40% is pay yourself first. So set up a savings account. And have something like the ideal thing would be as soon as your money hits your your bank account, you should pay yourself first, and money should be allocated to some type of savings account. And ideally, you should have some short, medium, and long-term savings. Yeah, and then so that money has to be split al- along those lines. So short-term would be like you know three to six months. You have in case you need you know emergency uh, funds, you have that. Some medium term might be, you know, you want to go on a vacation next year or you are applying some, um, you know, maybe you're getting married or uh, some friend's wedding is coming up and you want to save for that. And then, of course, long term is when, you know, thinking about buying a house or when you're retired, et cetera, depending on how old you are. And so the next uh, of that 40%, 20% should go towards that. The next should be um, building wealth and investing. So there's two different things here. When you pay yourself, you should have part of it that's going to just go into like, uh, you know, one of those CFSAs, tax-free savings account, something that's solid, it's there, you need it. And another 10% or should go towards playing the market. This is where you, and that is a 10% you have to be willing to lose. So there's a difference between saving and investing. Yeah. So saving uh, would be something like if you put the money in it, it's not very risky, it's going to be there. Investing is when you're playing on the stock market and you, you're, you're pretty much gambling. I usually tell people that when you go on the stock market, it is legalized gambling because there's no guarantee. And we see exactly what's happening today, right? Like if you are in the market um, right now and you, you it depends on your personality. So if you're really uh, risk-loving, you, be, you know that perhaps in six months to uh, one year, Things are going to rebound, and we're going to get out of this slump that we're in. Um, but if you're you're a one that you're risk averse, you emotionally cannot handle the forty percent and fifty percent and eighty percent decline in your portfolio, right? And so again, it's very individualized. So I always encourage young people to take some portion of their money and play now, because you have a long time horizon. And so, but be 
sure that you understand the difference between saving, putting uh, $5,000 uh, in a mutual fund, for example, or ETFs, for example. That's not saving. That's playing. That's investing. And you could or could not get a return when, you know, at, at the point of when you need it. So, for example, those people who needed money uh, two weeks ago or last week, what happens when they, you understand, they're, they're balances are being wiped out or nearly wiped out, right? Um, so, what was your question? I think I went off. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's okay. We are talking about just the buckets, right? How that... when, when you have your income, this is how, oh yeah, we're talking about how we're going to allocate it. So, pay yourself first, save, take a small portion of it, 10% of it, and play the market. Like, start investing. Start, and this is how you can start building wealth at a faster pace, right? And then, I always say you should have 10% to be for your enjoyment. I call it your bliss fund. Just for you. I because I, I always tell people, he who dies with the most money does not win. Right? It's not just about making money. It's about enjoying your life. And, and when people hear about, oh, you have to be a financial advisor, or you have to think about your finances, you usually think of a restrictive kind of straitjacket situation. And it's not bad. It's actually quite an art, really, to have this money. And first of all, you're fortunate if you're able to have money in the first place. We're talking about people who have money. The whole different issue of people who don't have, right? That's a different conversation. Well, you have this money. How are you going to use this to really maximize your life? You know, mentally, physically, emotionally. And you have to be practical. And that's where the saving and investing comes in. But also, you have to nourish your soul, pretty much, right? You have to nourish your... Your, your your passion. So, you know, if you need a 10% to do something that's just for you, whether it be, you know, you invest in a, I don't know, you go dancing and dance classes or take a course for something, or it could be just going on a trip for yourself, right? I, I call that, well, it's only 10% of your income. So whatever that can, that can mean for you, right? Depends on how big your income is. So the, the 40% is shared between investing, saving, and something for you to enjoy. And the other 60% is for you to run your life and pretty much um, use the 5% to give back. Because I feel like it doesn't matter how much money you have, when you start training yourself to give some portion of it back to uh, society, whether it's in, in the form of, you know, you could have your own fund that you give to whoever, whatever charity it is that you have, um, it subconsciously sends the message that, I have enough mm-hmm. when you're able to give. So it doesn't matter if you have $10,000 or $100, you should always be willing and able to give a small portion to someone who has less than you. And that for me, is not just something to feel good about, but it's also a training for you to understand a subconscious uh, message to say, I have enough. I'm able to share, right? So to summarize, I know I went off there, to summarize, you have your income. My formula, usually I advise you to the 60-40. You save 40% of the 40%. 20 save 10 for investing and 10 for just for you, to go it on you, for your joy. And the other 60%, 55% goes towards running your life, maintaining your lifestyle, right? Paying all your bills and 5% for charity and giving back. I like that. I really, I really do. And and those percentages are based off monthly incomes. You're just kind of just giving a reason. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like monthly income. So people use there's another thirty twenty thirty rule. Um, there's different 
you know, you talk to any other advisor or personal finance expert and they will give you their own spin on it, right? Again, it has to be something that works for you, right? So some people may not be able to put 20% in savings just because of the life that they have. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that you do find these buckets, these categories, and you do get in the habit, even if it's just 5%, get in the habit of paying yourself with, get in the habit of, you know, investing, you know, learning a little more about the stock market, especially for young people. And I'm saying this specifically to younger people because you have a long time horizon. So you have time for it to grow and you have time to recover from losses, which you will inevitably have during the process, right? But it gives you that, you get time to practice, you get time to learn, because this is something you have to learn on the ground. And you might think that you have a certain tolerance for risk, but when you see your money disappearing in your portfolio, it's a very different reality than when you're just thinking about it in your head. So that's why I encourage young people, you know, if you have an extra thousand dollars lying somewhere, start, you know, go start trading with ETF, go start doing something with it. Get it, just get your feet wet pretty much. Um, so yeah, so having those, those just generally, and that's what I said, if you write down that little diagram that looks schematic, you know where your money is going. So then psychologically, you can feel a little better that knowing, okay, this is going here, this is going here, as opposed to not knowing where things are and then, you know, having to struggle because you didn't allocate properly. Mm -hmm. I like that because I feel like, especially with finances, the uncertainty just paralyzes people. And that's not just people. Like, I'm in that group, right? Where when I was younger, I was just didn't know what to do. Like, you would hear, well, this is the, the right market to be in, and this is what you want to do. So, like, when you have all these options, you don't do anything. You just sit there, and you go, okay, like, I'm not going to touch anything because I'm literally terrified. If I touch something, it's the wrong move. Uh, that's why I kind of like the idea of, of, like, building your – your grit or your risk adversity and just, you know, whatever you have, you have a little bit, like you said, like that little, you know, five, 10%, um, to just play with and yeah, like learn about it, like take it as an opportunity, I guess, right. To learn more about the market you'd say. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, it's trading your behavior. And I always say that whatever you do with a little is the same you will do with a lot and practice makes permanent. Um, it doesn't make perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So you practice bad habits, you're going to continue doing things. So if you don't know how to manage $100 well and really squeeze as much juice out of that as you can, you're not going to do very well with 10000 So if you, can, if you spend $100 badly in the sense that you're not able to really maximize the use of that, more than likely you'll do the same thing with 10000 you'll do the same thing with 100000 you'll do the same thing with a million. So what I usually... Um, and tell people or suggest is that train your behavior and the younger people are obviously in a better position to do that. And so having this kind of mental framework for, oh, I've got this, this is $100 I have, I'm going to put, I'm going to give $5 for charity, I'm going to put 20 bucks, as I'm going to save 20, I'm going to take $10 and blow it for whatever I want, because I want to get some joy and I'm get that, you know, whatever, cappuccino, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> treat yourself um so this is how if you get into the habit of using your money wisely and developing that skill then when you get a lot you'll you'll be in a better position to take advantage so don't wait until you have mm -hmm. you know you a lot of things my students usually say well i don't have any money now so yeah when i get money i'll figure that out i'm like no if you if you 
wait until you get money to figure it out. It will be a little bit late and it will be more work for you to kind of figure it out. Start doing it now. Get into that framework and that mindset and everything else comes back to mindset, right? Have the right attitude towards money. First of all, it's not boring. It's not complicated. It can actually help you sail through life or serve through life in elegance or with a lot of stress, right? Mm-hmm. And so understanding that, you know, you're developing your habits when you're younger. Forget about learning about the stock market and interest rates. Focus on the habits. Focusing on being able to save things like delayed gratification, knowing how to tell the difference between something that you need and something that you want, knowing how to prioritize, knowing what I can wait on to get later and what I have to get now. And those simple things uh, help build your stamina. Well, you would understand that too, also in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trying to reach a certain, uh, whether it be fitness level or you want to lose weight, you have to train in a certain way and you can't deviate because you're not going to get to your goal. And so with financial literacy and with with your finances as well, you have to follow a certain uh, path, as it were. And that path is developing the right habits, developing the right attitude towards money, First of all, don't see it as such a pain to think about, because um, that's usually my experience that people like think, as soon as you tell them finance, they kind of get a glazed look on their face. It usually happens to me if I go out and I start talking about finance, people's like, oh yeah, nice to meet you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about money. But I'm not saying go to a, you know, a dinner party and then start talking finance, but it shouldn't be a thing that people like they hear and they get anxiety. Or they feel panic, like, oh, God, I don't want to do this right now. This is the fuel that, it, it really fuels your life. It's the way that our society is structured. We do need it to run our day-to-day existence. And so understanding your relationship with it, understanding how to use it to get what you want is so important. But people really don't pay attention to it because, I don't know, they just expect that, uh, I don't know, to come from heaven? I don't know. <laughs> um, so... I know I understand the hesitation, and and I always have to caution myself because I've I've been in finance and economics for a long time. So for me, it's like, well, why do why don't they want to learn about this? This is so much fun. Like, and when I listen to my students, I realize, nope, it's not so much so much fun for them. <laughs> um, but if I can give advice to young people, I say, get your head in the game in terms of get your mindset right, know what it is you want, and have a, a, a framework for where things are gonna go. And and remember this, how you spend a hundred dollars, it will be the same way you spend a million dollars. So if you know how to take a hundred dollars and really get good use out of it, you'll do the same with a dollar. Love it. So what would you suggest to someone? I know I have friends like this and I have people that I know, um, especially now with like people going on unemployment. What if your expenses are let's just say $2,500 a month, right? Which is probably, mm. again, if we're talking about having a mortgage, it's probably quite lower or quite higher um, on top of gas and car and insurance and groceries. What if, like, say, $3,000 a month is your expenses and you only make $3,000 a month? And so, like, how do you allocate your income to be like, well, like, I need to pay my expenses. I can't go into debt here. What is it? Hey, you got to get, get more money. You need to make more money. Yeah. So the thing is side hustle, right? Yeah. That's the key, right? Side hustle. You have to be creative. Like, and, and that's what I said. If you're in that situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck, 
then the only other thing for you to do is figure out a way to earn more. And you can manage what you don't have. So if you don't have it, obviously you can't. If it is that you are working for three thousand, and that's exactly your your three thousand is what is uh, your life expense. And maybe if you check, you go through your lifestyle or whatever. Maybe you can cut. And let's say you have done all the, you know, you're working on bare bones. You're still matching. You know, if whatever is coming in is going out. Then I have to say, training, skill development, side hustles, be creative, find other sources of income. And luckily, technology is facilitating that. There are people who, you know, are using um, YouTube and and Instagram, etc., to make money. Right? Um, it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's the only way. Because what else are you going to do? Right? So either you get a part-time job or Really dig deep and be creative and figure some way to get a side hustle that can pay you some some source of income. Or knock up a rich uncle. What can I do? That too, yeah. Those Remember are, me? <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are two options. Um, That's an option. I know we kind of you kind of started highlighting um, stuff that you write about in your Kidonomics series, so let's jump into that because I, I remember it actually sit very vividly with me when we spoke a few years back, and Wait. I was like, yeah, like this this advice is so simple that a uh, what five year old can learn, but again, it's so practical that we still teach it to adults alike. So Wait. let's jump into some of the the basic fundamental principles that you can write to children about so let's anyone anyone who's listening anyone who's listening means children are taking this advice and i remember the once i remember one story that you told me before you jump into this was that you were out with your daughter i think you guys were shopping and she she kind of used one of the principles on you and she said mom do we really need this compared to want this and but i'll let you jump into and talk a little bit about your kidonomic series um you've written a few books so yeah jump into the books themselves and what they provide and then some of the basic principles you use awesome so yeah so what i did was um uh, in those books it's three books and they contain the basic the basic principles or the building blocks for financial success. And the first one, I think, the story relates to need versus want. And again, if you cannot tell the difference in your own life between the things that you need and the things that you want, if you can't make that distinction, I don't care how much money you have, you're not going to hold on to it very long. Okay? So that's a fundamental thing. And, you know, people need to understand need versus want. It's, it's time sensitive and lifestyle sensitive. And in the sense that what you might have to struggle with when you're 20 might be different what you have to struggle with when you're 30. Your needs and wants will change over time. So being clear about need versus what, and I'll quickly share the story so your audience can uh, understand what we mean. So bring my children in that regard, right? And it was St. Patrick's Day, which we didn't celebrate this year, but it was St. Patrick's Day a few years ago when they were much younger. And uh, she's in... Uh, Montessori and they were having a party the next day and she's like 7 o'clock in the evening we're like mom I need green stuff I'm like oh great now you tell me so we rush into the dollar store in the mall pick up you know hats and chains and beads and whatnot for the little one and then on the way out of the mall I turned to my older daughter and I'm like oh, I didn't get anything for you because it's the little one that needed it for her class party and then she said to me she's like you know mom I wanted to get some stuff but I didn't need it and that you know and they were like I think they were in pre-K, so 
at least six and under. That's what the, around the age that they were. So they understood that concept. And then it was testimony to the fact that if you treat, uh, train children early on in these basic principles, it will stick. Even to today, move fast forward now, they're 14 and 13. Um, I get told I don't need this. And I get told you don't have to get that because you, know, you can live without it. So I, you know, sometimes it works in the, not in your favor, but generally it does. So understanding that fundamental concept, knowing how to tell the difference between a need and a want is crucial for your financial success. The other thing is delayed gratification. Being able to give up something now to have something better in the future. This works for finance, it works for getting fit. So if you want to lose 10 pounds, you got to give up the cookies and the, you know, the extra lattes and whatnot today so that you can have a fit body in a few months, right? It's the same thing with your finances. If you want to build your, your nest egg and you want to start saving, you've got to cut as much as you can now. You've got to give up those extra, um, you know, coffees, those extra things you might find on Amazon. Don't go bored and, and, and in the middle of the night and go through Amazon um, because this, you know, instant access to buying is, is not very helpful either. So that's, a, again, a whole other topic. But understanding that you have to give up something now or something later, no pay, no gain, right? So it works as well with your financial um, life as well, not just your physical and, and, and your health. Uh, the other thing is, the other fundamental concept is to prioritize and ensuring. So in, in economics, it's something called utility maximization. And in, in very layman's terms, it just means doing and getting the most out of something, the maximum amount of enjoyment and satisfaction. And you know, you know, they have, um, this is Marie Kondo, Kondoing, you know, that, that, the, you know what I'm talking about? Marie Kondo? No. Um, well, there is this, I just know it briefly. Um, it's about decluttering and keeping your house clean or whatnot. It's a big trend and whatever. And she uses this phrase, if it doesn't spark joy, throw it out. And so for me, if it doesn't spark joy, you shouldn't have it on your top 10 list. Right, and so, so what I said, if you can take a hundred dollars and squeeze a month, as much juice out of it, is when you learn how to prioritize. So again, knowing how to prioritize your spending goes back to understanding your relationship with money and the purpose of money and where you want to go. So again, it's your goal set. So the only way that you're able to really effectively prioritize is if you understand where you're heading, where you want to go, right? And so. Summarizing, need versus want, know the difference, and live the difference. Because a lot of us know it, but we don't live it. And every time you make a small decision um, that doesn't help you towards your goal, you're moving further away from your goal. So delayed gratification. Understand that in the moment, you may have to give something up so that you can enjoy more of it a little bit later on. And the final thing is know how to prioritize what's important to you and what you know, based on your income, based on your lifestyle, what are the top 10 things or top three things that you need to do? So when you're working with a budget or you're working with limited income, you really have to learn that skill and art of prioritizing. And you prioritize the extent that you get your maximum utility, the most satisfaction you can from that uh, level of income or money that you have. Mm. So those are the pretty much fundamental concepts. And if you live by those, um, pretty much you you're set because at the end of the day it's not that difficult like i always tell people i'll give you the, the secret formula for getting rich 
Oh, here we go. Million dollar idea. Spend less than you earn <laughs> and invest the difference for a really long time at a high interest rate and you're good to go. That's it. But each component actually of that formula, this rate and this time are all person specific. How much you save is a function of your lifestyle, your income, and your whole, you know, your whole perspective about life. How much you earn is a function of your background, your education, or the type of job, the profession that you're in, right? Uh, the interest rate you get, well, this is where we get into the technical part, you know, which bank, which investment vehicle, um, that's a different topic, right? And how long, what age are you at? What is your, again, what are your goals? Is it gonna be for a wedding, a house, retirement? Which is it? So the formula is quite simple. I can simply say to you, spend less than you earn, invest the difference for a very long time at a good interest rate, and voila, you're done. But each component of that formula is very complex and, and very individualized, specific to the person. Um, but pretty much that's it. Like learn how to spend less than you, um, you're making, and if you can learn that one skill, or the, if that's the one thing where you can get from this podcast, go with it. It's gonna serve you well in the future. I love stuff like that, and like I, because it's it's <laughs> it's too it's too simple to argue, right? And like it's yeah. it's it's like you said, anyone can do that, right? And it's just right. yeah, like you have. You, it's simple, yeah, but it's not always. No. That's the point. Well, the thing is, I think what happens is we, we justify certain months and times, right? Because you might say, "Well, this month I make three thousand, right?" And maybe you're you're under budget, and it's you've only spent twenty five hundred dollars. So you're like, "All right, I'm over. I have twenty five. I have five hundred dollars left to spare. I can put into paying myself. I can put into a little bit of bliss, this and that, right?" And what happens is you see a deal for these thousand dollar shoes that are on sale for seven hundred, and you're like, oh, right. I'm going to get these shoes eventually, yeah. so I'm going to justify spending the 700 because I saved $300. But then you go over. Right. So then you fall for the Marxist trick and all those somatic um, triggers that they put in those ads. And, you know, I, like I, I'm developing a course to teach for undergrads about financial literacy and all of that. And part of it is that, you know, we are really one of the sitting ducks for advertisers and Marxists because we go in unarmed, and they're coming at us with billions of dollars in research, psychological research, in knowing where to position something, what color, what texture, what music, what fragrance, what lighting, where exactly in the store it should be. And we're just like, uh, looking in, and like, totally at the mercy of, of Marxists. And not everyone is aware of it. So you get, you get sucked in, like, like you just said. You would spend five hundred dollars if you didn't really need to spend because you could save two hundred on something that you didn't actually need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we're batting with, actually. It's like the finance stuff, quite frankly, is straightforward. It's a matter of fact, you know, X, Y, Z, do this and that. The piece that 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 catches everybody is exactly what you're talking about. There's the softer side of it, it's the behavioral side of it that 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 trips up a lot of people. You know, justifying things, um, you know, and falling prey, quite frankly, falling prey to advertising, marketing, and now it's constantly with us. My students have actually told me, because I've done some interview series with them, and they said, look, I know, I know that I don't need this. I know that, that I see what they're trying to do, 
but like I have to buy it. Like, I, I have to do it. And I'm like, why? It's like, I don't know. I have to. And it's just, that is indoctrination. I mean, our culture is set up in such a way that we're, we're programmed to behave like that. And, and so, you know, in terms of financial literacy, yes, knowing interest rates and all of that is great, but it's only great if you have the, the behavior to back it up. If you don't have the behavior, you can have as much knowledge as you want. You still won't be able to do anything with it. Right? And so, yeah. It's two different things sometimes, but yeah, pretty much you've got to be able to withstand societal pressures, and that's what it boils down to the end of the day. Being able to, again, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but you go back again and anchor yourself in what's right for you, what's right for your life, given your education, given your age, given your gender, given where you are in the world, what's going to work for you, what do you want to achieve, and then you move from it. Because otherwise, you know, getting soft tips from the barber or from the supermarket attendant, whoever, um, it might be great, but it's not going to serve you if, well, you don't even know where you're going. You don't know what, you're, what it is you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's all it's all a funny game, and even like knowing yourself, like going back to like knowing like your relationship with money and purpose with money. Uh, like I know I like to, I'm a big holiday person. Christmas, right? I enjoy obviously, right. obviously you buy presents for people and you get decorations, and you know the cost can add up to a thousand dollars fast. Yep. Okay, if not if not more. So knowing that and knowing like my relationship with money i've i've said to myself like well i'm sick of having $1200 leave my account every december so i'm like why not just put $100 away every month which again i'm not going to even notice right? right and then by the time next christmas comes i have $1200 literally saved up for something right. i know that i won't have any control over now i do have control over it but like i don't want to have control over it. i want to spend that money during that season because it's the things i like to do but at least I am, I guess, controlling that aspect of me saving money specifically for that given month or event, right? Rather than saying, I'm going to let it come over me and I'm going to spend $1,200 I don't have. Right, right. So, yeah, that's a good strategy, yeah. You know, you know what? I, I was like, it's so, when you, oh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm a girl, so I know how girls think sometimes, um, most of the time. <laughs> when you walk into a store, what I, I advise people is like, I use Michael's. You know that craft store? Michael's? Yes, yep. Okay. So you walk in there. And I tell people, you know what? Take your shopping cart, go. And everything you see, impulsively, and you're like, oh my God, this is on sale. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Put everything in. But before you head to the cashier, make one more spin around the aisle, and then pick everything up you have in there, like, mm, give it a second thought. And usually, if you do that, by the time you get to the cashier, you might end up with one thing. Because impulsively, you walk in somewhere, you see it online. It's harder to do online because, you know, once you just click, 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 send, done. It's d- different. But when you're uh, doing, um, what is it, what is it, what are they calling now? Real-time shopping? Or there's some quirky name they have now when you are <laughs> non-virtual shopping, real-life shopping. Um, when you're doing that, you actually can take a second to think twice about it. So, I do it, like I go and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cute, blah, 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 blah. But I know like by the time I get to the cash, I'm like, you know what, I have like 10 of these already, I don't need more, or what am I gonna actually use this? This is a great price, it looks good, but am I actually gonna use it? No, put it away. And so if you kind of do, at first, if you're not used to it, it might seem like a pain, 
but then automatically you can kind of get yourself in that in that that mode and even that twelve hundred dollars that you're spending on Christmas gifts you can even think about you can repurpose um that twelve hundred in the sense that you can become more creative on what you get mm-hmm. you know um looking for deals uh you know six months in advance I don't know various things you can try but even even if you have a budget for example for spending it doesn't mean you have to max it out yeah. if you can get value uh for something else um and and that's it unless you have people who will look at you sideways if you give them something that's not really expensive <laughs> and that's a whole other topic right because then again you're judged by if you give somebody a gift my judge because like oh my god this is like what is this you know um so you know the people in your life who can actually help or hurt your financial situation depending on their own specific attitude what's funny because you know if you go out with friends for example like you don't you're not buying this or you're not buying that you're not participating in stuff you may be you know ostracized because you're not fun anymore because you're not spending like a crazy guy right mm-hmm. and so these are all factors you have to consider and those are the hardest learning about which bank to go to for which investment vehicle and, and how to maximize taxes and all of that those are simple relative to what those are the things that you have to deal with right and those are the things that drain your money, drain um, the ability for you to grow money. Those social and societal pressures are really impactful in, in a person's financial life. And that's why, you know, you have to have made a strong metal to withstand that, to withstand, um, you know, being judged by where you go, what you buy, the type of the brand of clothes you wear. If you're, if you're constantly a brand identifying person, then it's going to cost you more to look just as good as somebody who's buying something generic, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's your life philosophy. You don't, you can't do anything generic. You must have a certain brand. Well, then you can afford it, go for it. But if it is that you're trying to build, you know, a nest egg and trying to build yourself financially, it may or may not serve you, right? So, yeah, those are the, some of the things that are more troublesome and than I think- learning the active yeah yeah and i think if you actually go back to like what we talked about at the beginning if you have more self-awareness you're less mm-hmm. prone to fall into those traps right like you don't you don't care about living up to someone else's expectations you're not trying to compare yourself with someone else's scenario and you just become a lot more content with who you are and a lot of those impulses that you know make us feel disconnected they aren't they aren't a big deal right we're not we don't feel peer pressure because we're living the life we want to live so you know, I just want to say too that you know when you say that, we you make people think. Well, look, if it's your goal and your passion to make lots of money and just rub it in everybody's faces, go for it. Right? <laughs> if that's your thing, go for it. But what I, what I'm saying is, that whatever you go for, you have to be steadfast in what it is you want, and that's where that kind of um, determination, dedication, just as, as you have, you need that when you go to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you you need a certain amount of mental grit. You need commitment. You need discipline. You need consistency to develop your fitness. You need exactly the same skill set for when you're doing your finance. And so whether whether or not you're doing it for superficial reasons or for you know more altruistic reasons or just to be happy and content in your life, it doesn't change. It doesn't matter, right? If you want to achieve those things, those principles will still hold regardless of, you know, so I'm not telling people, oh, if you're going to be financially, whatever, you have to give up your fancy stuff and, and live a, a miserly life. That's not it. What I'm saying is that whatever lifestyle you choose for yourself, and there's no judgment, um, make sure you can use your money to 
make sure you can situate yourself so that you can earn the money and then use it in a way that will get you to that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes, I hope that makes sense. It does, it does. It's, it's doing it yeah. for you, like you said, just in the gym. Like if I was doing it for an external reason primarily and only, mm-hmm. it doesn't right. It doesn't stay consistent. Like people fall out of the gym. Like it's like when they try to get back in shape for the summer and they're doing it just for the external, it's so easy just to fall off in in September or fall off late late summer. Like it's just you want to do the things you're doing for yourself, and you know, and then know why you're doing it. And I, I think you, you, yeah. you, you hit it on the hit it on the head. Yeah. Well, well, you've given some amazing insight. I think uh, a whole bunch of stuff that we can anybody listening to this can use uh, for sure. So, where can people find you? Can they? Where can people register to go to UTM and take your class? So, um, actually, I have. I am working on putting up some online um, courses um, for parents. And I also, I'm in the process of doing some stuff for like undergrads and, you know, younger people. Because um, people have been asking for that for a long time. And since I'm getting a little more time uh, now, <laughs> yeah. Might as well use it wisely. Um, yeah, but if you need anything, it's at radhamaharaj.com. Um, so that's where you would find pretty much all the links to everything that I'm doing, um, whether it be with the university or uh, with the books. Uh, I hold sessions for women. It's called Wine with a Purpose. So it's financial therapy for it's a women's group. And the requirement is you bring a, a best friend, your BBF, and a bottle of wine. And that's it. Um, so I'm all about making people understand that finance is not, not something scary, boring. It is actually, if you know how to use it, it can actually really help you live a really full and productive and satisfying life. And that's what the aim is. So financial success for me is really an art, not a science. And um, it's very individual. So if you want to learn more, it's Radha Maharaj, my full name, .com. And uh, the links are for all the other things that I do are there. Perfect. Amazing. I love it. And like I said, very useful source. So I'm sure a lot of people will will tune in for sure. Well, thank you so much. That takes care of episode 27 here on the Fear Being Average podcast. Thank you so much to Dr. M for bringing her insight and expertise onto the show. We'll talk to you next time, guys.